Episode 46, Dynamic Wit Comedy Podcast. Thank you for listening. Tickets are still available for our show coming up on January 13th for the Dynamic Wit Comedy Show. Obviously, there's still tickets left. It's been on sale for less than a week. But we're about halfway out of the $5 ticket. So if you want cheap $5 tickets, go to dynamicwitcomedy.com. Get your tickets for that show coming up January 13th at the Electric Theater. This is episode 46. Hope you enjoy it. Sit in my closet and pretend to talk to imaginary listeners? You're not going to make sense of this. No matter how you try and word this, it's not going to work. I know that I look and sound like Napoleon Dynamite had a baby with Ray Romano. It's going to be a good show. Welcome to the Dynamic Wit Comedy Show. You know why you laugh every time you hear my intro? When you hear my voice saying that I know that I look like Napoleon Dynamite had a baby with Ray Romano, you know why that's so funny? Because it's true. It is. I I honestly don't hear the Ray Romano thing until I actually hear a recording of my voice, then I can understand it. But enough people have said it to me that it has to be true. And as far as Napoleon Dynamite goes, well, good hell. I think I said, told you in an earlier episode, that movie came out right before my senior year of high school. And back then my hair was a little bit more long, a little bit more curly and my mouth hangs open just like Napoleon's. So it's not to say I look like John heater. It's I look like freaking Napoleon dynamite. They say the audience can sense authenticism and they say honesty works. Well, that's the most honest joke about myself that I have. Okay. Uh, episode 46 Dynamic Wit Comedy Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. In this, we're again three segments, as per usual. In the first one, we're going to talk about some math and how it applies into into what I'm going to be talking about. According to a survey that Jerry Seinfeld probably made up to support one of his jokes. The number one fear across human beings is public speaking. Number two is death. And as he goes on to say, that means that if you're at a funeral, more people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. And that's a fine point to make. And actually, it's a funny joke. Credit where credit is due. But with the number one fear being public speaking, I was fascinated to learn some numbers. There are, as of September of 2023, 3,210 comedy clubs across the United States of America. That's not including like coffee shops or bar shows that also host comedy nights. That's anything just strictly designated to being a stand-up comedy club. 3,210. So let's say everything being equal, that averages out to be roughly about 64 comedy clubs per state. Now, obviously, not every state has 64 comedy clubs, but for math's sake and keeping things equal, let's say it averages out to, it, it averages out 64.2, to be exact, comedy clubs per state. Now, as most comedy clubs do, let's say each one of those clubs hosts one night a week designated just for open mic, a night where anyone can go in and work out new jokes or try stand-up for the first time. Now, we're going to take the high end of that because for every comedy club that exists, there's probably five or six 
bars or coffee shops that also host open mics. So we're going to take the high end of, of a comedy club open mic. And let's say, because open mics usually let 25 to 30 people go up and do anywhere from two to five minutes of material, depending on the, the size of the crowd. So taking the high end of the averages, let's say that 30 new people every week in the United States attempt their hand at stand-up comedy. That's 1,872 people per week attempting stand-up comedy. And per year, that's 97,344 per year. 97,000 new people attempting their hand at stand-up comedy. Now, for someone who hates math, I was willing to do this math because I'm fascinated by this. Because stand-up comedy is an area in life where you're really funny or you're really brave for, e for even trying. Meaning it's going to go one of two ways. You're going to make the audience laugh or you're going to bomb and you're going to have to turn to your supportive aunt or grandma who's going to tell you how brave you were for even trying. Public speaking can be scary enough. Public speaking when it's your responsibility to make the entire crowd watching you laugh that can be downright daunting. So with all the fear that goes around this, why are there so many comedy clubs and coffee shops and bars and other venues hosting comedy events? Why has stand-up comedy, in a sense, taken the country by storm? What's the fascination? People from all over the country every week trying stand-up comedy for the first time, going up there, trying new jokes, trying to be funny, trying to deal with life's problems, trying to have the spotlight and be the center of attention, trying all of these things. Bill, what's the point? First off, don't call me Phil, okay? But second off, the point is exactly what Christopher Titus said in one of his stand-up comedy specials called, um, what's it called? The clip I'm about to show you, uh, called Angry Pursuit of Happiness. He tells you exactly what the point is. Because comedy gets rid of our desire to kill. <laughs> comedy gets rid of our desire to kill. Think about that. Because he's not just speaking, uh, you know, he's not just talking about people who do stand-up comedy. He's speaking about anyone who enjoys stand-up comedy, anyone who watches a Netflix special, anyone who goes to a show, anyone who listens to Spotify or YouTube stand-up comedian clips or finds the, the algorithm on, on TikTok. It can get rid of desire to kill. And maybe if it's not getting rid of your desire to kill someone else, it's at least getting rid of your desire to kill yourself or maybe kill your career or kill your relationship or kill a dream you might follow. I've said from the beginning that laughter is absolutely one of the most vital tools we have as human beings. It's going to make a bad day good and a, bad, a good day great. Now, if you, you know, uh, if you choose, if you have to choose between doing stand-up comedy and going to therapy, please go to therapy. Because people who say that comedy is like their therapy, uh, those are the scariest people in the world. They're never going to deal with what's really causing whatever it is they're going through. But if you say that comedy is therapeutic, I can listen to that and I understand that. Because it's not going to fix your problem, but it does have the potential to pull you out of whatever funk you're in. Because you're laughing. 
And when you're laughing, you're not stressed. You're not worried. You're not anxious. Laughter is an impulse and you can't control it. And maybe that's the point. When you're stressed or depressed or, or anxious or having a bad day, it's usually because of stuff you can't control. And then you start laughing, but because you can't control it, and that's something else that's out of your control, but it's something that's kind of easing the burden of everything else, you realize things are going to feel a lot lighter and things are going to be okay. You ever try not to laugh when you're not supposed to, but something strikes you funny, whether you're at church or a wedding or a funeral? It's the hardest thing ever, but it also makes that moment of being in a place where you're not supposed to laugh makes it even all the better. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I've had experiences where comedy has absolutely helped me out, right? So this week marks uh, the anniversary of one of those times. Last year at this time, I had a job that I loved, a job I was good at a job that uh, I had never been written up for doing anything wrong. And yet when I showed up one day last December, on Thursday, December 8th, I was given my final check and sent home being let go from a job for reasons that to this day I still don't agree with. And if I'm being honest, it still bothers me. I won't go into too many details, but essentially what happened is I was a courier and I used the company vehicle while I was on my route to run a few personal errands. Now, knowing other couriers who would go golfing during their shifts, that didn't feel like too big of a deal to me. But lo and behold, my boss had gotten in trouble for something he wasn't doing and he needed to make an example and he drew my name out of the hat. That's a very watered down version of my side of the story, but you get the point. You can imagine my surprise last Thursday when I saw that same boss who fired me at Costco with the other uh, supervisor from that job, and they were doing some shopping. Now, you might look at that and say, well, maybe they were doing some shopping for company business. Maybe, but considering they were buying clothes for like little girls and little pink doll toys, I don't think they have any six-year-old girls that are driving their vans. It would have been really sweet for me to go up to them and be like, gee, I sure hope you clocked out for this occasion. But I didn't do that. There's times where I've dreamed of going up to him and saying, Jeremy, the thought of you dying makes me hard. But I didn't do that. And I moved on from it because I'm still in my healing process. And really, that's not going to solve anything. And plus, that's getting away from the point of this episode. So let's rewind the clock. Last year, December 8th, I showed up for work at 9 a.m. And by 9.30, I was unemployed. It happened that quick. It was Christmas time. We had car payments. We had rent payments. We had utilities and a handful of other everyday life bills. And oh, yeah, three kids at home, two of which under the age of five. You could say I was a little bit stressed. I was a little bit pissed off. And yeah, I felt like murdering a lot of things that day. Now, the next day on Friday, December 9th, I, went, I was able to attend a comedy show that my wife had bought a ticket for me three months before any of this happened. And so I got to go see Bill Burr, who's absolutely one of my favorites. And I went to that show by myself because my wife, like a lot of women, hate his guts. But either way, I was going to the show. And as the show started, his first opener took the stage, which is Steph Toloff. She's very funny. The middle opener was Dean Del Rey. And people asked me how the, his openers were, and I don't really remember. I mean, I remember chuckling, but despite my best efforts to pay attention, 
my mind kept going back to what had happened the day before about losing my job to a small, angry coward. And in turn, that turned me angry. And then something happened. Bill Burr took the stage, and in true Bill Burr fashion, he roasted Salt Lake City for a bit and just was spitballing and making fun of things that I grew up with, and I loved it. Now, what was cool about this show is the only time I've seen Bill Burr was on like Netflix specials or YouTube clips, things that are edited down and perfected and meant to look like it's just a flawless thing. There's no room for mistakes. And that's all still amazing. Those are, those are why I love him. But this night came just two months after he had released his, his latest special he had released in Netflix that he recorded in Colorado. So on this night, he was doing all new material. And it was so new that he had his phone with notes on the stage with him that he would keep reverting to to make sure he didn't forget words. And he did forget words. And he forgot punchlines. And it was not edited. And it was not flawless. But it was absolutely amazing. And for the hour and 15 minutes on, he was on stage, I loved every second of it. And for that hour and 15 minutes, I didn't have stress. I laughed and I laughed hard. And when I left the venue that night, all I knew was that I was going to be okay. Like I said, I'm still dealing with some residual effects from being fired last year. And I still have some mental anxieties over it. But whenever those things creep up, the thing that makes me stop, you know, wanting to go up to my boss and and rip him a new one is remembering that the night after that was a night of laughter and a night of kind of freedom from whatever stress I was feeling in that moment. You know, being fired 30 and being fired and angry and 30 hours later, being able to laugh myself sick and know everything was going to be okay. It's true what Christopher Titus says. Laughter gets rid of our desire to kill. All right, segment two here. The one with the music, usually about sports. Today is no different. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, am I ever so grateful that I'm not part of the college football playoff committee because there was no way they weren't going to piss someone off. But if they were going to piss someone off, hey, might as well have been Florida State. Not that I care one way or the other about Florida State, but the fact that they went undefeated and got snubbed because their quarterback got injured tells me that they didn't base college football playoff out of who deserved it based off of what they accomplished. They based it off of what they thought the teams could do, which even by that logic screws Georgia out of the picture. That's a problem when you have over 130 teams and you have to pick four of them to go to the playoffs. Some people are going to be pissed off. Now, I don't really care either way because the only college team I really give any sort of a damn about is Utah, and they're going to be playing in the Vegas Bowl on December 23rd. Will I be there? No, but will I watch? Yes. And all in all, the four teams that were selected for the college football playoff, I can listen to arguments as to why they should be there. I can listen to arguments why Georgia and Florida State could also be put in there. But I don't get paid to make those decisions. So for the sake of pissing people off, because like I said on Twitter earlier, I usually root for the villain 
whether it's the Joker in the Batman movies, Michael Corleone in The Godfather, or Jack Nicholson in The Departed, or whoever, or Kobe Bryant, I typically end up cheering for the hated person. I love Tom Brady now, hated him for years. So right now, in that fashion of cheering for the villain, I'll say that the college football playoff committee got it right, and screw you, Florida State, you deserved it. In other news, 49ers went into Philadelphia and they beat the Eagles. It was only the Eagles' second loss of the season. I'm not going to gloat too much because I do have friends that are from Philadelphia and are big Eagles fans, but I've seen enough clips of Eagle fans acting like jackasses at Eagles games. I love that not only was their day ruined yesterday, but a good majority of them probably ruined their whole week and for some of them for sure ruined their marriage because there's no way a sane person's going to allow um, someone that they're married to raising their kids get that upset to where they're throwing batteries and snowballs at someone else for wearing a different color jersey. And that's what Philly does. So no offense to any of my Philly fans. I know it's not just you and I know it's not all Philly fans, but you all have a reputation. So you deserve the loss. Take the L take the divorce, and move on. Sports aren't that important. You're not on the team. All right. For this final segment, let's take a call. Okay, just kidding. It's not a radio show. But let's let's talk about this for a minute. What's something in your life that you've worked really hard to do, whether it's a skill you've honed, whether it's, you know, a place you've gotten in your career, um, just what's something that you've had to work and dedicate yourself to improve your craft to get to where you're at, whatever it is. I associate myself with that, with like, uh, whatever skill I had as a basketball player growing up, I was always practicing shooting hoops. And so I was able to hold my own and, and have some decent success as a basketball player growing up with stand up comedy. My first open mic was in March or excuse me, June of 2013, over 10 years ago. But then once I really decided I really wanted to learn how to do it in 2015, I started going to as many open mics as possible. So whatever skill or success I have as a comedian has been something that I've worked for really hard. And then think about people who worked really hard to get on the radio. Think about Howard Stern or, or in the sports world, because that's what I know most of, like uh, Colin Howard or Dan Patrick or just any of these, you know, Phil Henry back in the day, these syndicated radio hosts who went to school and had to work their way up being a DJ, doing late night traffic reports, doing whatever. They had to work their way up to be on the radio to have a successful career in radio broadcasting. And then podcasting came along thanks to the likes of Mark Marin, who also had a career in radio and decided that, you know, he would steal some equipment from the studio and decided he would do two shows a week on Mondays and Thursdays. And he built his audience. And that kind of started this whole podcast thing back in, you know, 2008, 2009 ish. That's gotta be a little insulting now that anyone can just have a podcast. I'm not going to tell you if I have four listeners or 400. It's somewhere in the middle. I'll tell you that. But it doesn't matter 
how many listeners I have or someone else has. Anyone can just have a podcast. This used to be something you have to work for. And now you can just have free broadcasts over the internet that's going to be online forever. And again, I'm not telling you how many listeners I have, but I have consistent listeners across the pond in Germany, in the United Kingdom. My uh, statistical report shows me that this is available almost anywhere where there's internet. And so it might be insulting to someone who's honed their craft, but I don't take this lightly. And I actually do put a lot of work into these episodes. And so for whatever listeners I have, thank you. Nothing's more insulting to me than when someone who's never tried stand-up comedy before wants to come up to me and says, hey, can I be on your show? No. no show me that you're willing to work for it. I feel like that's also got to be some of the same ridiculous feelings that, you know, Mark Marin or other people have more successful podcasts or radio shows that all of a sudden, just because the internet exists, someone who's never studied broadcast in their life can just have a podcast and get success off of it. Regardless, I'm trying to do it the right way, I guess. I usually try and have a plan and stick to the topic, if not through the whole episode, at least uh, through the segments. So for that, I say thanks for listening. Anyways, that is all. Obviously, this last segment wasn't planned. I had an idea of what I wanted to say, but it kind of was just rambling for four minutes. Anyways, thanks for listening. Episode 47 next week.